0: And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 272, aka year six, week 22, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And since this is your regular call-in show, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303 335 9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh so what is going on with you this week, MC? Um
1: same thing as usual. The new the new normal. Oh um, Jesus. COVID on COVID on the news. I, think I we're hate that. talk a little bit about about that, right?
0: Right. So we we did a little bit of pre-show and, you know, just like you, it didn't seem like there was it seemed like a pretty mundane week as far as 2020 is concerned. Right, like it's <laughs> been a it's been a weird fucking year, um, and then I don't want to say new normal because I hate that term. But
1: this uh, week kind
0: of yeah. felt okay, right? It was like bah, nothing, nothing spectacular happened. Where you know the the riots are still going on, COVID is still out there. That's the new normal. If you're gonna if you're gonna use that term, um, mm-hmm. so it was a little it was a little difficult to find uh, exceptional news that you know was pertinent and relevant to get covered. So we're, we're going back to the old standbys, COVID. Um, so I found this article, and I didn't even have it as show prep, because it was like, do we really want to talk about this? Maybe not so much. Um, but I, I sent it to you um, and our other uh, regular, you know, in our little mini host group. Um, so KS can take a look at it as well, not joining us today. Um, but it was, you know, I'll, I'll read you the headline, and then maybe get some commentary before we get into the article, uh, because it's sparked a small discussion uh, as we were warming up for the show. As I said, well, we just hit the record button and talk about it. So here's the headline. How Hawaii Became a Rare COVID Success Story. Uh, Sub-headline, The Islands, geograph- Geography, and Small Population Helped but so did two enterprising doctors who pushed for aggressive tracing and testing and sometimes found themselves at odds. Uh, and the reason this was already controversial is because after I read that uh, pre-show MC, uh, you went, depends depends what you mean by success.
1: Uh, so I'll throw it to you and go ahead. Yeah. So I think uh, people that think it's success don't have any view uh Outside of their own lives, like there's, there's a lot of things that that have happened that uh, are totally destroying people's lives, shutting down businesses, uh, eliminating any income for people that run vacation rentals, or uh, renting out their uh, their houses or rooms. Um, and every time you kill one source of income for for one business or one person it affects at least 10 other people because those t- 10 other people depend on one person spending money all around. And if you know anything about uh, the economy or at least the way it was built up for the last 20, 50, 70 years, uh, the margins aren't really that high for, for businesses. So if you, lose, if you lose 10% of your profit or your revenue, it might not even be worth staying open anymore.
0: That always sounded weird to me. Like I I even though I get it, I have trouble wrapping my head around that concept. Um uh, because if you know, if you're if you're closed for three months, right, why would it not make sense to be open forever because of three months of lost profits or lost revenue? Right? Couldn't that be made up well, it's on not, the
1: back end? It's not just about the three months loss. Oh, let's say you have a business and you make, I don't know, five or ten percent profit that you take home, and uh, you—that's what pays for your mortgage and stuff. So you're depending on that, right? Pay for everything that you need in your life, Um, and hopefully a little bit extra for you know savings. So, and so, and a lot of people don't even get that for to ever be able to have savings. They're, yeah, people are paycheck a to lot paycheck. Of, lot of, a lot of people with businesses living paycheck to paycheck. Um, and so you're, you're depending on that. And if your mar- profit margins go down, then it's not worth even staying open, even if you know. Uh, and, and so there's some things that could happen that could allow you to stay open. And that is you know re- renegotiating uh, rent. Or the, the office space, or uh, your business place. Right. That's that's one thing that could happen, but uh, a lot of times it doesn't happen. Um, so a lot of times it's just not an agreement, and you just walk away. Okay. Um,
0: but that imp- that also, in my mind, implies that there's going to be zero recovery, right? Like that's the situation, and that will always be the situation, and there's no way to overcome that at all.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, there could be a recovery the government would get out of the way. <laughs> However, they're not. So, things like mask requirements. Okay, well if you have to wear masks then you can't have a restaurant. No.
0: <laughs> unless there's exceptions, right, restaurant exemptions because so, you can't eat with the mask on obviously, but that they, they have to right, know that, obviously. <laughs> obviously.
1: So, and they and they do know that, and they don't care. The government doesn't care. So, Okay. So, uh, you know, can't can't open a restaurant. A dining restaurant, anyway. Um, so, well, what I'm saying is, so you close down all the restaurants. Uh, like I was saying earlier, uh, you, you cut out one person's income, and they're not spending at, at other places. And if 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 their profit margins go down to where they're not making enough to make it worthwhile to stay open, then they'll close too. And it's a cascading effect. Okay, um, but couldn't that cascading
0: so- effect happen if one person died? Because of COVID, then doesn't it doesn't their lack of expenditure
1: uh, and production well, lead to the, the same is, trickle people, down? People die all the time, and it doesn't appear that COVID is any more deadly than the seasonal flu. Um, and if you want the the real numbers behind that, we'd have to look at Sweden, uh, maybe Australia. Uh, for, you know, I was going to say those are them's fighting words. You know, places that they didn't lock down, fully. Uh, really. So um, Sweden's economy actually grew at the beginning, and I don't know if it's uh, still growing, but it's not It's not impacted nearly as much as uh, Hawaii, for example. Um, there was a stat that uh, the Institute in Hawaii put out that, that uh, the government is seeing, at the moment, uh, 49% less uh, revenue or less tax revenue. Good. I'm. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy about that. But but what it means is that there is uh, well a lot less economic activity happening, and that's really bad. Um, So they're they're probably going to look at raising taxes, and and they they always resist cutting government services. So. uh, which I've warned some
0: family about. I've, I've, you know, I've been very clear for quite some time now. Get out while you can, because if if they keep the lockdowns in place, right? Who are they going to look to to make up the shortages in government while taxes are going to go up somewhere? Yeah. Right? It may so not be evident term, right away.
1: In the short term, the government's grand plan is uh, borrow more from the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is willing to uh, lend out ever increasing amounts of money. So. Uh, that's the plan. Get more in debt. Okay.
0: I read some article a few weeks ago that said Hawaii was sitting on like a four hundred million dollars surplus uh, from all the overages that they've collected over the past some odd years or so. Do you know anything about that, or am I just
1: maybe? Grasping? But the, okay the the amount that they owe is far far greater than that. So okay. it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, and probably the the government gave Hawaii one point billion dollars. Uh, for managing COVID, right? And so, okay. what did they do with that? They put that in into the rainy day fund. So even though we're having you know massive uh, economic problems in Hawaii, and there's there's people that need need money, uh, they don't matter. What matters is that the government people have enough money, uh, you know, to pay their people and and keep you know th- their employees. Uh, happy. And so in okay. Hawaii there's close to I think twenty five percent of the people worked for the state. And that's I mean it's 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 really scary, you know? Right. Uh and so it makes sense that uh seventy percent of the people think that the governor the government is doing the right thing with the lockdowns because uh well there's twenty five percent of the population that gets to stay home and collect a paycheck uh for not doing anything. So of course they're they're happy. Um, yeah. But you know, there's there's a lot of people that are like, uh, now what? Like, what do I do? You know, <laughs> does everybody get to get a job with the government now, or what? Well, or does that
0: rainy day fund does that trickle down somehow to the welfare program? Right? Can you can you get on you know, can you get on state assistance in some form or fashion? Uh, and I usually I usually would not advocate for that ever. Uh, however, if they're not letting you work right if if they're violently prohibiting you from earning a living, right that don't do they not have some obligation to keep you fed, housed, and clothed while they're not letting you do it well, voluntarily
1: and there's there's another problem with that though is, is how do you determine who who gets it and if you go off of last year's tax records, uh then well oh, you made more than you know eighty thousand or a hundred thousand dollars last year uh, so you don't you don't get anything yeah, but you make know, making zero <laughs> this year. They exactly. shut everything <laughs> you know, and, and most people live paycheck to paycheck. So, um, yeah, last year's tax records are irrelevant, but you know, how do, how do they gauge who deserves it? I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they don't have an answer. So yeah, yeah you're, you're pretty much screwed unless you were poor last year also. <laughs> so, so
0: they're, they're incentivizing poverty. Is that was Well, they always have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Definitely. All right. Um, this is a, a rather long article, so rather than go through the the um, convenient format that we usually do in which I read it and then we kind of discuss it, um, we'll piece this out, and so feel free, MC, as I'm going through it, because I'm not going to know which paragraphs are relevant and which to skip, um, feel free to interrupt and comment as we go, um, otherwise it'll, it'll be a while before, you know, before, and I won't remember what we were talking about. Um, so let's see what uh, Politico has to say on why this is a success story, right? Because economically, failure all the way around. Hard to deny, right? Hard to refute that. Um, but they're calling it a success. So, here from, um, from like I said, from Politico. In mid February, Hawaii did not have any recorded cases of COVID 19 and only 15 infections had been confirmed throughout the United States. But Josh Green, the lieutenant governor and a practicing emergency room doctor, was worried. He recently had learned that a man from Japan had spent nine days in the state and then tested positive for the virus upon returning home to Nagoya. The man apparently was sick and contagious toward the end of his vacation. He and his wife, who would later test positive herself, stayed in two hospitals, uh, one on Maui and one in Waikiki. And for those unfamiliar with Hawaiian geography, uh, interjecting for a moment here, uh, Maui is a different island than the main island of Oahu. Waikiki is a city on Oahu. Uh, Carrying on. They got in rental cars, went shopping in Chinatown, ate out at more than a half a dozen restaurants, and met a friend in Honolulu for coffee. How many people had the couple unwittingly infected in that time, Green wondered. Uh, For me, it really underscored the need to get ready. Because this thing is so contagious, it could get out of control very fast, he says. His fears weren't unfounded. With 28,000 travelers pouring into Hawaii every day during the months of January and February, 20% of them from Asia, Uh, the state seemed fertile ground for a major COVID-19 outbreak. That was especially true on Oahu, where at least one-third of the state's visitors cram into the hotels, stores, restaurants, and beaches that line Waikikis two miles. Even without tourists, Oahu, where the bulk of the state's population lives, is jam-packed significantly more so than New Jersey, the nation's most densely populated state. But a catastrophe never came. Instead of a massive uncontrolled outbreak, Hawaii has recorded the fewest COVID-19 cases per capita in the country. As of this writing, um, find the date here, 619, so yesterday. Uh, As of this writing, just one person per 100,000 has died, 17 in total, and 54 per 100,000 have tested positive, 762 in total. By comparison, New Hampshire and Rhode Island the two states with similar population counts have caseloads of 406 and 1,546 per 100,000, respectively. Uh, for six weeks in April and May, new cases in Hawaii didn't top five a day. At the beaches where mask free residents gathered largely without tourists, you can almost start to forget about a virus that has upended lives across the globe. Few people look to the United States for coronavirus success stories instead singling out South Korea, New Zealand, Iceland, or Germany. But as America tries to navigate its way out of the first wave and considers the possibility of a second in the fall, Hawaii's experience offers hope that with the right efforts taken at the right time, the virus is containable. It also reveals the enduring challenge of trying to shake COVID-19. Since businesses and parks reopened in the in late May, The state has seen a recent noticeable spike in cases similar to other parts of the country. In early June, Hawaii's streak of single-digit daily cases ended with three days of new infections in the teens. Hawaii, at least, has past experience to fall back on now. In those critical early weeks when cases were manageable, the state set into motion all the steps that experts across the globe have identified as crucial. It also benefited from being able to enforce a mandatory 14-day self-quarantine for arrivals in ways other states couldn't. But the ocean alone didn't save Hawaii. In the weeks before the arrival quarantine went into effect in late March, many expected the virus to have spread far more widely throughout the population than it did. That it didn't, and that Hawaii has continued to keep cases low, is a function not of the usual dynamics, the top-down operation helmed by a high-profile leader, as in states like New York and Michigan or countries like New Zealand and China, Hawaii's success came at the hands of several medical doctors. Green, the outspoken lieutenant governor, along with an enterprising private physician, both of whom pushed for aggressive testing while clashing with the state's top epidemiologist, who ran a tireless contact tracing program that has managed to track all of the state's confirmed cases to date. In the background was a low-key governor who listened to the voices around him and made quick decisions when he needed to. With arguments still flaring up across the country about the most effective way to manage the coronavirus response, often divided between those who want a heavy government hand and those who don't, Hawaii's experience shows that sometimes what works best is a multi-pronged, even redundant approach. We didn't really have a fully proactive or decisive plan on the outset, says Mark Mugiishi, CEO of HMSA, uh, the state's largest health insurer. But with the Pacific Ocean guarding our borders and an early lockdown, we built the plane while flying it and got extraordinary results. Uh, Old Hat is how Sarah Park, Hawaii's top epidemiologist, describes contact tracing. Basic, low-tech gumshoe work. We've been doing it forever, anytime there's a disease outbreak. It's interesting to me that everyone wants to talk about it now, she said recently from her fourth floor office at the State Department of Health in Honolulu. As a medical doctor and former disease detective with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's elite epidemic intelligence service, Park hunted down West Nile virus infections uh, in the United States in 2002 and SARS cases in Taiwan in 2003. Like many states, Hawaii's Department of Health has had a hands-on a, excuse me. Hawaii's Department of Health had on hand a skeletal staff of investigators to respond to any outbreak or infectious diseases. In early February, well before the state has has had a confirmed case. Park's team of six began their detective work, just as they had for the emergence of hepatitis A and rat lungworm a few years earlier. Using flight information given to them by the CDC, they contacted anyone arriving in Hawaii who had recently spent time in China and informed them that for the next 14 days, they couldn't leave their houses or wherever they were staying. Then, every day, Park's team called to see if the travelers were complying and whether they were feeling sick. A few were, but not enough to warrant testing, which in February could be done only at the CDC's lab in Atlanta with a week's turnaround time. Park's team also dialed around to all the people the infected Japanese man had interacted with while on Maui and Oahu. The investigators ultimately determined that, with the exception of the coffee date in Honolulu, all of his encounters were too brief to have transmitted the virus. The friend isolated himself for two weeks and never developed symptoms. We realize that unlike residents, travelers stick mostly to themselves, Park says. They're not going to our potlucks or our beach barbecues or hanging out in someone's garage where they're in close contact with other people for sustained periods of time. As if to prove the point, on March 6th, Hawaii got its first case, a resident returning to Honolulu on the Grand Princess cruise ship. Park's team scrambled to figure out who in the state the individual had spent more than 10 minutes in close contact with. Most of his family members were told to isolate. Park's team did the same with the other cases that rolled in over the next few days. An elderly man returning from Washington State with symptoms. A couple from Indiana who had become sick while vacationing on Kauai. A skier back from the slopes of Colorado. And an Air Canada attendant, flight attendant staying on Maui. In the beginning, people weren't really eager to talk to us, recalls Lauren Usagawa, one of the department's original investigators. They didn't know who we were, and some thought it was a scam or that they were being pranked. But for Usagawa, who had previously worked on sexually transmitted diseases, COVID-19 interviews were relatively easy. People are a lot more honest when you're asking them who they had dinner with than who they're sleeping around with. In fact, many people, she says, were appreciative that someone was checking in on them and that officials were trying to stem the disease. Those patients or contacts who didn't have family or friends to bring them food and other essentials for the two weeks got daily deliveries paid for by the Department of Health and distributed by a network of volunteers. Nonetheless, the infections mounted and Park frantically began to recruit staff from around the department. She brought in investigators from the immunization and foodborne illness section and public health nurses from anywhere she could find them. By early April, the expanded team of 35 was still struggling to stay on top of the several hundred people who had tested positive in recent weeks and and their more than 1,000 close contacts. Everyone was working nights and weekends. I had times when partners as well as my own staff asked me, at what point do we stop? Because every day it's getting bigger and bigger, and they're hearing from and seeing colleagues in other states stop and move on, Park recalls. Usagawa's first day off in four months didn't come until the end of May. Uh, It felt weird, she mused, like I should be doing something. She decided to spend the day cleaning and tackling an enormous pile of laundry. Plenty of other states had similar government tracking programs. The difference is that Hawaii was able to keep its going as the virus spread. Thanks to some combination of stamina at the Department of Health and the fact that the state's high watermark for daily cases never went above 34 on April 3rd states were doing intensive case investigations and contact tracing in the beginning, but then the wave of infections came from Europe in early March and all hell broke loose says Jeff Engel, a COVID-19 senior advisor at the council of state and territorial epidemiologists states weren't able to keep up parks team, which eventually grew to nearly 100 people, including volunteers has hunted down contacts, For all of the states, 762 confirmed cases to date, largely cutting off the virus as it sought new hosts. While Engel hasn't done a comprehensive survey of state epidemiologists, uh, he says he is not aware of another state that managed this. Contact tracing is most productive when cases are either stable or trending downward and represents a small percent of the population but many states are only now hiring and training armies of investigators to ramp up their contact tracing efforts. Although Park and her team earned praise for their contact tracing, their response in other areas, such as testing, has been heavily criticized. At one point this spring, Hawaii Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard called for Parks and her boss, Bruce Anderson, head of the Department of Health, to resign. The reason was that Park's team, following CDC guidelines, wasn't actually testing most of the people they reached through contact tracing unless they developed COVID-19 symptoms. Park didn't think it was necessary. If you're a close contact and you're negative, you're still stuck in quarantine and we're still monitoring you. There's no get out of jail free card, she explained. Uh, She says she was focused on uh, preserving limited testing supplies for those most likely to spread the disease. People with significant symptoms, especially hospitalized patients, Healthcare workers, and seniors in long-term care facilities. But this approach rankled not just Gabbard, uh, but also Green, the lieutenant governor, who faulted Park for being too entrenched in the CDC's risk-averse culture. All the Department of Health wanted to do was go by the CDC playbook, which normally is a good one, but not in this crisis, says Green, who previously was a state senator and is still on call for two ER shifts a month at a Big Island hospital. He felt the extensive testing of people with mild symptoms and even some without symptoms was essential to control the virus, and he aggressively pushed to make sure the state hospitals were setting up outdoor structures where patients could easily get tested, which most major hospitals did. Meanwhile, a fellow doctor who is an advisor to Green was coming to similar conclusions about testing. A self-described infectious infectious disease wonk, Scott Miskovich, had spent much of his January and February reading any COVID-19 data he could get his hands on. He didn't like what he was seeing. I was very concerned about the contagious nature of the virus, and I was thinking about Hawaii's location as the gateway to Asia, said Miskovich, who runs eight health clinics and urgent care facilities throughout the islands. In late January, he had started placing large orders for personal protective equipment, white Tyvek suits plastic face shields, N95 masks, hand sanitizer for his 120-person staff, while the equipment was still available and affordable. When his first patient with COVID-like symptoms showed up in late February, his staff at Premier Medical Group was prepared. As Michkovich tells it, the patient was HIV positive, with a fever of 101.8, very low oxygen levels, lung sounds consistent with pneumonia and chest heaviness. As he worked for the Transportation Security Administration at the Honolulu Airport, Miskovich immediately got on the phone with the Department of Health, which at the time was the only lab in the state to do testing. I'm thinking this is a slam dunk case, but they say, hmm, nope. Did he travel from Wuhan? Was he in China? The CDC says we don't test them. Early on, the testing restrictions were very specific from CDC and FDA, Park says, for her part. Unlike private labs, public labs are held to very close scrutiny and standards, so if we start doing things not in alignment with what federal law requires, we're jeopardizing our ability to practice. But from his research on Wuhan and other outbreaks in Asia, Miskovich had concluded that widespread testing was an indispensable tool, a way to know where the virus was going so you could stop it, that the Department of Health didn't seem to share the views was alarming. So with large boxes of PPE sitting in his office, a willing staff, and a decline in patient visits for non-COVID health concerns, as well as support from Green, he decided he should simply do his own testing. Not long after, private labs got the go-ahead from the Food and Drug Administration, and right around the time, the World Health Organization's Director General urged health officials everywhere to test, test, test. Miskovic secured agreements from supplies of tests from Hawaii's two biggest labs, he then pitched Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell on the drive through idea a model South Korea had pioneered. A week later, on March 21st, the city joined Premier Medical Group to offer free testing at Waterfront Park in Honolulu. About 450 people were tested, 24 of them were positive. After that, Miskovich and his staff, including two of his adult children, traveled to Maui and the Big Island, then back to Oahu. Working directly with the mayors, they pitched their tents anywhere they could accommodate large numbers of cars. Public parks, community centers, boat harbors, and the huge soccer complex where, in gentler times, my son played games every weekend. Miskovich didn't test everyone who showed up, but his net was far wider than what the Department of Health was recommending. Part of the beauty of the drive-thru was that we got to talk face-to-face with almost 45,000 people, Miskovich says. We answered their questions and told them when they needed to be tested. We told them just because you might have, you might test negative doesn't mean you don't have to come back if you develop symptoms. At least four of our positives initially tested negative, but when they coughed four days later, they came back to get a test. He also set up roughly 40 testing sites for private employers, nursing homes, and homeless camps. So far, Miskovich and his team have done 17,000 tests, about a quarter of the state's total, including nearly a quarter of Hawaii's 45, uh, excuse me, uh, a quarter of Hawaii's positive results. In March and April, when Hawaii's cases were building, his test accounted for almost half the state's total test and 40% of its positives. In late March, Hawaii ranked 7th in the nation per capita uh, for per capita tests. Today, with a relatively low caseload, it ranks near the bottom. While they didn't see eye to eye, Miskovich's work effectively fed into parks. Each new case he identified was one more that she and her team could trace isolating people and breaking the chain of transmission. But Miskovich wasn't able to leave it up to the Department of Health. He said he personally called each of his positive patients, and then his staff showed up to test their whole family, and in some cases, friends and coworkers. In early April, to handle the increase in cases, he rented office space, hired 20 additional employees, and had two dozen phone lines installed, so his patients and their contacts could be called and monitored daily. Miskovitch said he has funded these efforts and the public drive through with his own money, a total of about $500,000, half of which he has since gotten back from insurance companies. What's remarkable about Hawaii's success is how much of it was driven by Miskovich and Park's determination. David Ige, the state's two-term Democratic governor, has not gotten high marks from the public for his response to the virus, perhaps because some of his remarks at press conferences left residents confused. In one case, he reversed course on rules about when businesses could reopen. In a civil beat post released in May, only 20% of respondents expressed a positive view of the governor compared with 69% for Green, the lieutenant governor, who emerged as one of the state's most vocal leaders on COVID-19. While Ege told me he credits the state's early start on contact tracing for suppressing the caseload and mitigating the health impacts of the pandemic, he acknowledges that private testing by Miskovic, as well as some hospitals, played an important role. He also called his decision to implement the 14-day quarantine rule for arrivals, which the state imposed on March 25th, along with the, its stay-at-home order, strategically and fundamentally important. But unlike New Zealand, which carted off all of its arriving travelers to designated hotels, Hawaii didn't have an airtight system. Several dozen visitors have been arrested for frolicking on the beach or otherwise ignoring the quarantine rules. Ige seemed most animated when he brought up another factor he he deemed important. The sense of community and responsibility for which Hawaiians are known. In Hong Kong, health officials kept tabs on infected and potentially infected with electronic medical bracelets. And Singapore made sure people stayed at home with a phone app that verified their location. In Hawaii, the state relied on the spirit of aloha. Maybe it's because we're on an island, but people here understand that what we do impacts our neighbors and friends, Ige said in the relaxed tone he is known for. People took the mandates to stay at home and self-isolate seriously, and they encouraged others to implement it. Both Ige and Green are careful not to suggest the state has in any way beaten the virus. Both officials are prepared for the possibility that higher caseloads are going to become the new normal as people continue to move around as, and as tourists return. Ige is expected to announce that Hawaii will allow visitors into the state quarantine-free if they have a negative test upon boarding the plane. The program, similar to what Alaska and Iceland have implemented, would still require those without a recent test to quarantine. For now, Park's contact trace, contract tracing continues and in fact has gotten hectic again with its recent bump in cases. As the Department of Health's testing capacity has increased, Miskovic had scaled back on public tests, focusing on specific populations such as nursing homes, while also doing some antibody testing, but he said he is ready to ramp up again if needed. When higher caseloads inevitably appear, Green says, he thinks the state will be ready to respond without the extreme shutdowns that were necessary in March. The Department of Health, for instance, now has on call an additional 160 volunteer contact tracers, for which for when the need arises, we've beefed up our contact tracing and testing capacity by orders of magnitude. He says, and a lot of our understanding about the virus has matured. We're stronger, and we're definitely, uh, and we definitely can manage it. Uh, end of the article. So we made it through. Um, so success. <laughs> You you made it through. Uh, not excess. <laughs> okay. I fell asleep halfway through it. <laughs> oh. Is that, that's why I didn't get any interruptions? <laughs> well, how are you gonna comment if you were taking a nap there, MC? So but, but there you go. I mean if you fell asleep, I don't know what like how are, how are you saying not a success then uh if the no, article no, clearly lays
1: you're, out. You're you're your I thought you meant uh we we made it through as uh, you finished the article. That was what the success was. Oh no, I'm saying I, as we finish, <laughs> as we the
0: article, the article was very thorough, right? But lays uh, out how Hawaii was a success as far as um, defeating uh, so somewhat uh, the COVID. Yeah, but I mean,
1: if 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 we just uh, put everybody in a gas chamber and kill everybody, then then we wouldn't have any cases either. So that that would be a success also. So it's how they define success. Yeah, of course. Well, and
0: that's what we kind of talked about pre-show. If if yeah. if we're de- if they're defining success in terms of containing the virus, right? It has to be. It's hard. It's hard to refute that this has been a success, right? It's no, but that's what the thing. Costs. You can't.
1: It's that's not. It's not fair to not determine what the costs are, and they and they have the government types don't have. Any reason to consider those things until it affects them. They're always reactionary. So finally, when they run out of federal funds or they can't pay the loans uh, that they have, um, then then they'll have to you know take action and say, well, okay. uh, it was because of COVID. But it wasn't because of COVID. It was because of their action against COVID that that destroyed the economy. The article seemed to suggest,
0: right, that the vast majority of the population was on board with the lockdown, complied with the shutdown, the spirit of aloha.
1: They are, right? At least 70% of the population here thinks what uh, the government and uh, the governor is doing, they believe it's the right thing uh but like i was saying before a large percentage of the population here uh, works for the government uh we're getting paid to stay home and uh so that has to be taken into account also but it doesn't really matter what people think um so i I read a Ayn rand quote the other day and and it was basically uh your rights don't depend on the majority uh, because the majority can't take away the minority rights because they're rights, you know, <laughs> so well, but they, they do have to do that. Well, when they attempt to, and when they succeed at doing that, uh, well then, then there's real losses, you know, and, uh, and, right. But their losses so to the minority
0: and why does the majority or the state or whomever care about one or two restaurants closing?
1: Well, well it was not one or two. And no, I understand what, and why do why do they care? Oh, well, 49% less tax revenue. Uh, so it hasn't, affected them yet because they're getting bailout money from the federal government uh but you know the people with with uh that are closing up their business um what do they get you know it's like yeah you get to leave hawaii i guess and then once a few people leave hawaii and and property values go down and uh, a lot of people are depending on the value of their property to uh, to you know pay for their lifestyle so uh, you know when rents go down and uh people's lives are impacted and uh,
0: well, well we'll just okay. see what happens so having been you know a, a resident of Hawaii for the vast majority of my life right property values going down and rent going down uh, seems like a win right cuz all of a sudden sure. purchasing sure. property becomes more affordable for the average uh resident right yeah. and affording rent becomes more affordable for the average worker Right. Which was ridiculous in a lot of places while I was working there. The, the amount of people you had to have as roommates.
1: Yeah. And so for the people that left that have jobs, uh, then yeah, it'll, it'll work out for them. But so is, is this I, just ice? Go ahead. I do, I do expect for a lot of people to end up leaving Hawaii just because it's too expensive. Okay. And even, and- even with lower property values. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Right. And I,
0: I, I hear you and it's, it's always going to be a we'll see until it happens. Right. But Mm -hmm. it's what's, what seems to be foreseeable and what seems to be evident is what you said, right? The, the, the people who want, uh, the people who have the entrepreneurial mindset, the business sense, uh, the desire to be productive members of society, um, are going to exodus at some point for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, Um, some
1: of them will find new ways to make money on, in, in Hawaii. You know, Maybe, but yeah. With with the huge shortfall of tourism, which made up a lot, you know, it was number one or number two reason for Hawaii's economy was military or tourism. Um, you know, only it's, one it's of those is a, valid.
0: A, well, <laughs> we'll say number one because even if it's two behind military, that's BS anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot less money coming in. Yeah.
0: And, and again, the irony is, for a lot of locals, natives, whatever you want to call it, uh, that has been uh, a desire for a long time, right? Like tourism uh, to l- the lack of tourism.
1: They right? want the lack of tourism.
0: I have friends, I know people. I'll tell you a story real quick, right because I, I lived in Kailua, uh, which is on the the northern side of Oahu, uh, and I had a friend right. Who was like half Hawaiian, half Australian. And this was, you know, when we were in our late teens, early twenties, college age. Right. And he, he was on, he was in, uh, he was hanging out and he echoed a sentiment that's not unfamiliar to me and the people that I hung around with at the time, which was, um, how go home? Right. He, he, he thought that his town in Kailua, his little, you know, area, um, yeah, town, whatever you want to call it, um, was overrun uh, by non-natives, you know, buying up the land and and kind of making it too big of a city, right? Small town, North Saudi Island, we don't need a lot of people around here, just leave, right? Um, And then I had to quickly remind him that he, in fact, moved from Sacramento, California. Like he was one of them, (laughs) you know? I'm like dude you're from Sacramento like you you're one of the ones that came you know like you moved here from there he's like yeah but I'm Hawaiian I go yeah by blood but you moved you know so it was it was a it was it was a moment because I have no Hawaiian blood and but I was born and raised there so I'm you know local native whatever you want to call it not uh no ancestral lineage uh, yeah, it's a weird it's it's a weird the way Hawaii uses those terminologies Um. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, the, uh, aside from the people in the tourist industry in the Waikiki area, for the most part, um, the sentiment is that there are too many white people, too many tourists, too many outsiders uh, taking up residence and setting up shop in Hawaii. And so the sentiment of, you know, how we go home was definitely pervasive amongst people that I know you know, friends and family that I've hung out with. So again, it's not, you know, it may be anecdotal, uh, because it's just my experience, but I don't, I don't think I only, I don't think the people I hung out with were the only ones echoing that sentiment. Um, and the irony is now they're getting it right. Like, uh, from 28,000 people a day down to a handful, right? Yeah. Well, I, don't, I don't
1: think, I don't think it matters what people want. I think it matters what pe- people that, that want that, what do they do about it? And if they were going to, uh, you know, go to the government and say, you know, keep tourists out or keep people from buying property here, that would be another thing. So,
0: Well, I mean, they go to the legislature because, you know, the um, for as much as vacation rentals are a thing, um, a lot of, the, I think it's pretty much illegal, right? It's all done uh, un, not uh, outside the law, right? You're not allowed to set up uh, short-term vacation rentals on Oahu at least. Mm-hmm. So, but they do it right. If you're not the big hotel chain, you're, you know, you're not protected by that. Um, so yeah, they, they go to the legislature, they get those things banned because it brings tourists to their quiet little neighborhood community that they only want locals around. Uh, they call for the governor, right. That every you know, all the articles that I saw was praising the lockdown for, for keeping people quarantined for two weeks. Right. You're not going to get a lot of American tourists, uh, able to l- l- hold up in their hotel room for two weeks. That's like, that's the standard vacation, right? You go like, well, from your regular job, you're going to get two weeks vacation every single year. You're going to spend it in Hawaii in a hotel room. And then what you so you fly in, you lock the door. You don't get to enjoy any of the amenities, um, you know, and, and tourist attractions that Hawaii has because you have to quarantine for two weeks. No, even that alone, uh, is going to pre- prevent thousands of tourists daily uh, from even considering Hawaii as an option. Um, and I, I was Not talking, sure. to, I was talking to someone even here locally, right? So uh, New Hampshire is kind of opening back up. And prior to the lockdown, I was uh, looking for another kitchen job uh, because I like to cook, and I, you know, was looking for some extra cash, and I was bored at night. So like, ah, let me go get another kitchen job. Um, I was supposed to start. And then the next day the lockdown happened and that didn't happen. Um, uh, just yesterday uh, I checked my email and, you know, s- things are starting to pick up. Uh, one of the, one of the, uh, restaurant owners or managers sent me an email and said, Hey, are you still looking? Cause we're hiring again. And I, I declined. I was like, you know what? It's too tenuous at this point. Like uh, number one, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting overtime at re- my regular full-time job. So I don't really, I'm not hurting for funds, uh, but I also don't like applying for jobs all that much. Um, So I don't want to, even if I get another part-time job, I don't want to get another part-time job that could be deemed non-essential that at the stroke of a pen from the governor could disappear overnight. Right. There's no, there's no reliability there. There's no, there's no stability. Uh, We can debate that, that terminology as well, but there's nothing that you can count on with that. If with the stroke of a pen by, by, by his his you know, they call him his excellency here. By his excellency, uh, your job just disappears. <laughs> no, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with what I have um, because I already know that even in uncertain times like this, like I don't know how much more, I don't know how much worse it has to get than this COVID nineteen thing um, for for my job to disappear uh, and it for not for it not to be worth it. Right, like if it gets if it gets like you know Ebola level sickness along with COVID. Um, uh, of uh, uh, tr- transmittability, I might self quarantine on my own and fuck it, right? But I don't, I don't know how much worse it has to get uh, when I'm still like, no, no, I'm making my own choice to go to work and I won't be allowed to uh, because my jobs are in the essential category for this, right? So I don't know, you know, what job wouldn't be, what job wouldn't be essential for this, or would be essential for this but not essential for what comes next? I guess is uh, trying to wrap that thought around. Uh, so I'm not going to go back to something that's, you know, not essential or could, you know, go by the wayside, um, with the governor. And so if I'm looking at, you know, tourism in Hawaii, if you're planning, if you're a tourist or, and you're thinking about vacationing in Hawaii and you're like, well, we got to, we got, we got a lot of things to line up. I got to put in my vacation days, got to book the trip. I got to get everything in order. Got to, you know, uh, uh, coordinate with the spouse and the kids or whatever, and then like you know a week before you go they go like nope locking it down for two weeks again what are you going to do is it worth it of all the places in the world you know that that you could vacation to that may not have these types of restrictions in place
1: no it's or, it's not worth it and they don't care so
0: <laughs> well i got you and that's that's the irony right that's what i'm saying like they the hawaii people don't care um that they're they're putting off the tourism But if you're a tourist, like, you know, part of the article that you were sleeping through, uh, you know, mentioned that, you know, that tourism, they expect tourism to come back. I don't know. That's, that's a, that's a risky proposition for a tourist to go like, well, I'm going to plan all this out. I'm going to take some time off. I'm going to go to Hawaii. And then at the stroke of a pen by the governor, um, your whole vacation, you're sitting in a hotel room with armed guards at the door. Who would book that? I wouldn't book that. I'm (laughs) totally not booking that. Right. See you later. Bye bye. Gonna do something else with my hard-earned money. Um, and sure. And the government of Hawaii doesn't care. Uh, the tourist industry got to be suffering, right? The trickle-down effect of that, because you know, if if that's the number one industry, it's got to be the number one employer, right? So there's a lot of jobs that you know people are going to have to start figuring out what to do uh, with that skill set that's catered towards tourists that may not, uh, you know, that may not
1: transfer outside of that too much. Yeah, I think I think it's funny also because, um, the uh, the pro-government people, uh, or let's say, let's say the the anti-tourist people, uh, the the pro-local Hawaiian community people, um, they tried. I think it was last week or two weeks ago. They tried to, I, I, I'm using loosely they because they're just people that wanted to have fun on the beach. A uh, whole bunch of cars, a whole bunch of coolers and food and tents and everything go out on the beach. That's what no you do. No tourists. No tourists. Just uh, you know, just having a good old time, and the cops come and tell them all to go home, and you know, find people and uh, and so so this week uh, there was we, we or just just yesterday we went to Kiana of Point and yeah there was nobody there uh i mean very few people but um there's you know the, the people that were there very very small groups like three or four people in, in per group and not a whole lot going on uh so yeah it's just really sad it's like uh like they're getting what they want but they're also getting shut down by the people that are giving them what they want
0: yeah i see that um it's you know The, the, the phrase, the, the phrasing for the other thing that's going on is like, you know, the, the the left eating themselves, right. The whole cancel culture, people turning on each other, um, when it's convenient. And yeah, so you have, you have the people who, you know, have been advocating for ginormous government for decades, right. Now find themselves under the thumb, uh, of the government for which they advocated for, right. Indiscriminate towards them right? Like the, you know, the, the, the boot on their face, you're going like, no, but I I wanted you, I voted for you. And they go, All right, good. Cause that's how we got the power. Um, uh, now fall in line. So yeah. And that's, again, I, I said it earlier in this show. That's why I, I talked to family. I go, get out, get out while you can. Why are you still there? Eventually, you know, the, the eventually the, the bill comes due, right? Like you said it, eventually they they run out of the 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 loans that they got from uh for from the the federal government for covid right they they blow through that see that was the other thing 400 million dollars seems like a lot but then i tried to i had to like try to put it into perspective of you know how much government spend and then it doesn't seem like all that much right the 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 article that i read made it sound like oh yeah we got got funds for days and it may have only Mm -hmm. been a day or two um but how how
1: quickly can they blow through
0: that four hundred million surplus that they're sitting on?
1: And then what? No, happens? The thing is, they've already blown it, and that's the only reason they have it is to, uh, you know, for when the taxes run out, and then then the four hundred million will run out. Yeah,
0: but I mean, when you say they've blown it, like, are you saying that with certainty? Because the, the article that I read is well, probably a couple of weeks old at this point—so I really yeah, don't know un, how quickly they un, spend.
1: unfunded liabilities are in the like ten billion you know, range okay. or more. Um, it's just, it's, it's an insane amount of money that they, they just don't have. And, and it looks less likely that they'll ever be able to get it back. I mean, they're, they're going into more debt, uh, uh okay. As we speak. So. Fair.
0: All right. I understand now. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and, and so where, where do they turn to make up that shortfall? Because as you said earlier, it's not government services that are going to get cut. It's not essential government employees uh, that are going to get you know laid off, fired, terminated, not allowed to work, right? They're gonna they're going to have to find a way to get those, get money for those services somehow from a diminished uh, tax pool, right? Because some of the companies are going to leave, some a lot of the businesses are going to close down. Uh, the ones that stay open, right. Even, you know, as they, as they count on tourists to, to come back, uh, aren't going to be in as great of numbers, uh, at least in the short term, like maybe a few years down the line, you know, everyone's gotten over this, um, tourism might hit the levels that it was, you know, pre COVID. Um, but they also talk about COVID being like, bad enough. This, this is the new normal. COVID-19 is part of the new normal, just like the seasonal flu. We have seasonal COVID 19. Uh, in which case, is this going to be an every year thing? Does Hawaii just shut down yeah. from March until July? Because it's through July now, right? Last last no, I I heard,
1: <laughs> I don't know how they're ever going to open again. I mean, it, it's a. Uh, I mean, the, the courageous thing would just be like, open if you're afraid to stay home, mind your own business. Yeah, that would have been the craziest not, thing from the beginning. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I don't. I don't see Hawaii working out uh, very well at all. I just like when I when I do the math in my head, it just it looks like like a like a horrible situation, and uh, so to call it a, a success is just it's it's really misinformed. Well, but if if you want to go
0: someplace where there's no COVID nineteen, because you can spend two weeks in quarantine, and then you yeah, know you... that once.
1: Stay here for a month, I guess. Two weeks in quarantine, and two weeks uh, doing mm, more or less what you want, except you can't go to any restaurants and bars and stuff. (laughs) Or the beach, right? In large groups. Yeah, you can't go in large groups, but yeah, you can go to the beach. So you said uh, you don't think
0: this is. It was. It was weird to hear. You said you don't think Hawaii is going to can open again at all. Um, Surely, that's hyperbole right they they have to open in some form or fashion are you saying that it's not going to return to pre-covid type of opening or that you think that the government is going to uh continue this control and continue this mandate indefinitely
1: well they're gonna continue as much control as they can because that's what's popular for them to do so if the government says oh we're going to do x y or z whatever it is it doesn't matter how strict a regulation it is it's automatically the most popular thing they can do so there's a lot of people that say we shouldn't let anybody in you know off of a plane into hawaii yeah and if they did if they did that they'd still get 70% approval probably which is ridiculous yeah so you know that's what we're we're up against is uh it's it's just
0: it's completely irrational yeah. Well, you say that's what we're up against. I, and again, I'd say just 30% of you leave, right? The 30% who yeah. think that's ridiculous, you know, find well, some place slightly okay. better.
1: I I mean, so what, what and that's kind of what I was going to talk about earlier, you know, with p- people leaving. If if 30% leave, um, housing values plummet and okay, that's going to be good for some people. Maybe, maybe it'll be really good for David Ige, the governor because he's got like $300 million. He, he could... You know, he could buy twenty more houses and rent them out, and he could just be a landlord after he's done being governor.
0: There you go. So, so he's got some perverse incentives to make that happen. then. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. Manufacture mm-hmm. a crisis to drop the values of prices, then buy it all up and and ride the wave yeah. back up. Yeah. Why not? Especially, especially if you are getting seventy percent approval, right? That means mm-hmm. no one's going to consider challenging it, and the and if people move away, uh, you have less of a challenge. Um, if that's the case, right, maybe it is, you know, who's, if someone's going to benefit, it may not be Ige, uh, but it may just be, you know, people who have made it through the crisis with a handful of money, wait for those Mm -hmm. prices to drop, buy some of that property and be the landlord yourself.
1: Yeah. But if it can some people, if if they can get you know, lo- very low interest ro- loans, like, uh, you know, one to 4%, just just get as much debt as you possibly can, because that's the incentive, and right. wait for property values to drop, and, and you'll be set. Okay,
0: but will you be set long term? Because if there's never going to be a, a grand reopening of everything, um, your property value might go up, but it might go up in terms of inflated dollars instead, Right, mm-hmm. you may not be able to rent it out if people are are exodusing from the state, uh, and those that stay, you know, don't have jobs. Right, where mm-hmm. everything turns into you know government uh, government subsidized housing. Mm-hmm. Right, that doesn't seem beneficial either.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's a lot of unknowns, um, but you know, just just for perspective, I don't think the government knows what they're up against. They haven't even considered uh, the the impact yet.
0: Yeah. Well, cause they've, o- they've only focused on one aspect of it and that was no COVID cases.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If we can get it down to zero at any cost, right. Then it's a, a success, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the, the second, third and fourth level, uh, problems that arise from that success, not, not only have they not considered, uh, doesn't seem like they're at all qualified to handle when it arises. I think we're close enough to the end of the hour. You want to call it? Yeah, any, any final thoughts? Mm, nope. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com uh, on telegram, t.me slash experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon. Patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace.